0: So as we draw near to Christmas we're taking four weekends to study what does Matthew's gospel teach us about Jesus birth. And we saw that he begins Matthew chapter 1 with a genealogy in which he highlights two truths. One that Jesus is the son of Abraham and two that Jesus is the son of David. Let me just remind you, when we look at verse 1, you'll see how both Matthew tells us what the point of his genealogy is. Matthew chapter 1 verse 1 says, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. That's what he wants to communicate to us through this genealogy. And then notice how he wraps up the genealogy, verse 17. So, all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations and from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations, and from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. So what Matthew wants to communicate to us, his readers, is that Jesus is the son of David and the son of Abraham. Now last week we focused on what does it mean that Jesus is the son of Abraham. And this week we want to talk about what it means that Jesus is the son of David. So let's ask this question first to set the stage. Who was David? And why is he so important? I mean, if I said to somebody, well, you are the son of so-and-so, that so-and-so should be somebody pretty significant that we all know about, right? And so when Matthew says that Jesus is the son of David, it's like, oh. So we need to ask, who was David? Why is he so important? And to answer that, let me give you some history of the Israelite people, the Jewish people. Way back at the beginning of their history, as you know, most of you, they were slaves in the land of Egypt for hundreds of years under oppressive slavery. And they cried out to God to deliver them. And God, in great mercy, compassion, and love, and with amazing displays of power, freed them from slavery in Egypt and brought them into the promised land so that they could have in security and peace and freedom, the joy of knowing God, worshiping God, loving God, fellowshipping with God. Now, there were already nations living there in the promised land, and these nations were wicked and violent idolaters. I won't go into the details of what their idolatry involved. It would turn your stomach if you knew. They'd knowingly, willingly turned their backs on the true God, and embraced this idolatry, and and God decided it was time to judge them. And so he called Israel to conquer them, remove them out of the lands. But for the most part, Israel, although they started to do that, they stopped. They ended up intermingling with these wicked, horribly idolatrous nations, and they ended up worshipping the same idols that the nations around them did. Now God warned them again and again, urged them to to turn back to him with great patience and great love, but they did not. And God punished their idolatry by having these nations attack them, oppress them, subjugate them. Then they cried out to God, God save us, help us, and God would raise up a leader called a judge. This is from the book of Judges, like Samson, like Gideon, To deliver them, they'd be delivered. Israel would be celebrating. And then a few, you know, who knows how long, a little later, they'd be back worshiping the idols. God would bring the nations to oppress them again. They would cry out to God again. God would raise up another judge to deliver them. And this cycle went on and on and on. Until you come to the very end of the book of Judges. And the last verse of Judges says that because Israel did not have a king, all was chaos and sin and idolatry. Israel needed a king. And so God raised up a king, Saul, to begin with. Saul started to unite Israel, and he drove out those wicked nations, but then Saul rebelled against God's clear command, repeatedly, blatantly. And so God took the kingship from Saul and gave it to David, the son of Jesse. David, this is what we're talking about. This is why David is so important. David, the son of Jesse. Now, David was not perfect, but he, he he was a man after God's heart. And that in, I mean, he sinned grievously in heartbreaking ways, but he confessed his sins. He got on his face before God and repented of his sins. His heart was for God, and when he sinned, he was broken over it. He was a man after God's own heart, and God blessed his reign. Israel was secure. God poured out his grace upon them, and people loved David's kingship. That's who David is, and that's why his kingship was so important, and here's the question. Okay, we have a great king in David. What about the future? What happens after David? Let's ask that question. What did God promise would happen after David? Okay, you're with me? We're doing a whole history of Israel here. Okay, and the whole focus of this is, who's David? Why is he so important? Why is it important that Jesus is the son of David? What did God promise would happen after David? Look at 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 through 16. Now, I want to explain Old Testament prophecies sometimes have one clear, obvious fulfillment. Like Isaiah 53, it's clear, it's the cross. Okay, it's clear. Other Old Testament prophecies can have a couple of different points of fulfillment layered in the prophecy, so it's hard to tease out those different elements. That's the case here. 2 Samuel 7, 12 through 16. One level is God telling David that his son Solomon is going to be king after him. But another level is that far later, God's going to raise up a king whose reign is going to be on the throne of David forever. Let's just read through this. I'll show you how we tease out those different layers of fulfillment. Verse 12, God is talking to David. He's talking about David's son Solomon. So David, when your days are fulfilled... And you lie down with your fathers, you go to heaven, die and go to heaven. I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He, speaking of Solomon, shall build a house for my name. That's what Solomon does. He builds the temple, right? And God says, I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Now, I think that points beyond Solomon. We're talking about forever here. Verse 14, I will be to him a father. He shall be to me a son. He's talking about Solomon here, but we know from Hebrews chapter 1, verse 5, he's also talking about Jesus here. I'm sorry, this future king. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son he is talking about Jesus. I, I, I let the cat out of the bag. Sorry. I will be to him a father. So, so again, there's two layers here. There's, there's different levels. Back to Solomon. Now, when he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him, from Solomon, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. And the next verse 16 is an amazing statement of his future king but your house david and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me your throne shall be established forever so here god promises david that one of his offspring one of his sons solomon would be king and also god's promising that he will raise up a future king in the line of david who will rule forever Amazing promise. Learn 2 Samuel chapter 7. So what ends up happening? David passed his kingship onto Solomon. Solomon ruled well, but he did fall into sin towards the end of his reign, Which and he did repent, but that sin caused, people to, caused the nation of Israel to divide into the northern kingdom of Israel, southern kingdom of Judah, caused division, sin, idolatry came in. God warned them, again, this divided kingdom, but they were falling into sin. He warned them to come back to him or he'd let them be conquered. They refused to listen to his warning. They scoffed at his warning. And so in 722 BC, the northern kingdom was conquered by Assyria. Many people taken away captive, just absolutely heartbreaking. And in 586 BC, the southern kingdom was conquered by Babylon. Many people taken away into exile in Babylon. Remember Daniel, the story of Daniel and you know all that then after 70 years in Babylon they came back but it was never the same small little temple right Just, and, and then they became oppressed or overcome by Greece and by Rome so it's like the people of Israel during this season of the divided kingdom and Babylon and exile what about God's promise what about the king who's going to be on the throne of David forever When's that going to happen? We want to see that happening. And even during those years, during this time of division and of exile, God was repeating his promise of this future son of David who would come and rule. Even during those years. And God didn't just repeat it, but he expands on it even more. It's like, whoa, that's what this is going to mean. Let me give you some examples. Look at Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. Beautiful Christmas prophecy, but, but look at it from this perspective. Verse 6, for to us a child is born. That's, that's Jesus. This is Christmas. To us a son is given. And the government, the governments, like all authority, all rule will be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Well, this child, this son, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Increasing, 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 increasing. No end on the throne of David. There it is. And over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Kingdoms divided, terrible oppressions happening, sin and idolatry, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So here God repeats his promise of the coming king, the son of David. But notice how this promise has expanded. It's even better. Not only will this son be born who has the government, all authority on his shoulder, but this son who's going to be born as a baby, fully man, did you catch that, is also going to be named Mighty God. Fully man fully God. The son of David is going to be fully man and fully God. Just let that rest upon you. Amazing. Not only that, there will be no end to the increase and the peace of his kingdom. So his rule is going to increase throughout the whole world. The whole world. He's going to rule over the whole world forever in righteousness, justice, and peace. Now, You think, well, when's that going to happen? Jesus has come. He's doing that now. It's a process. His first coming began that process, and it's going to be completed at the second coming. When he comes back, brings world history to a close, returns. No more sickness at that point. No more death. No more dying. No more sorrow. Second coming brings it to completion. So notice, God's repeating this promise during the time when Israel is, is, is suffering, struggling. The king's coming. The son of David is coming. And let me tell you even more of what it's going to mean. Another example Isaiah 11, 1 through 9. God enlarges this promise even more. Not only will this future son of David rule over the whole world, but he's going to remove from the world all the effects of sin, all the effects of the curse removed from the world entirely. He's going to bring about a new heavens, the new heavens and the new earth. Let's start reading. You'll see. Verse 1. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. Here's a picture of stump. All right? Call the stump Jesse. Jesse was David's father. All right? And there's going to be a little shoot sprouting forth from this stump. Okay? So this is somebody from the line of Jesse from the line of David there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him the spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of counsel and might the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. All the wicked are going to be judged by the son of David. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist And faithfulness, the belt of his loins. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb. And don't miss that. Did you catch that? She's be saying, wait a minute. The wolf will dwell with the lamb. Not eat the lamb. Dwell with the lamb. And the leopard shall lie down with the young goats. And the calf and the lion and the fattened calf Together, And a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Bears grazing, okay? Their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra. And the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den, a poisonous viper they shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So this ruler who's from the stump of Jesse, from the line of David, this ruler who's the son of David will be fully man, fully God. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. He's going to bring judgment upon the whole earth and destroy all of the wicked. He's going to remove all the effects of sin, all the effects of the fall from the earth. So the whole world is going to be full of peace and the knowledge of God. This is a picture of the new heavens and the new earth. This is what happens when Jesus comes back. The son of David comes back. No more sickness, no more death, no more sorrow, This presence of the Lord, the glory of the Lord, filling the new heavens and the new earth forever as a result of the rule of the son of David. So you're seeing how this promise is being repeated. This is all during this time of exile, of tumult, of difficulty. The promise is repeated and it's expanded upon. It's enlarged. One more. Jeremiah 23, 5 and 6. This is during the exile period. is our righteousness. Now think about that. Here's this king, the son of David, fully God, fully man. He will be our righteousness. The Lord is our righteousness. This is amazing news because all of us are unrighteous. You know that, right? I mean, I've been unrighteous. You've been unrighteous. We've all been unrighteous today, right? Right? And we can't make ourselves righteous by anything that we do. We can't make up for our unrighteousness by trying to be good enough or doing this or doing that. We are unrighteous. That's where we've been. We are stuck there. There's nothing we can do. We need someone to do something for us. And here's this amazing statement. The Lord is our righteousness. This king, the son of David, who is fully God, will be our righteousness righteousness. He'll be your righteousness. How? Well, it's clear that this king, the son of David, that's, that's another description of the Messiah, right? The Messiah, son of David, son of Abraham, this is all the same person, Jesus, Jesus. And Isaiah 53 explains how the Messiah would be our righteousness. It's by being punished for sin, being punished in our place, for all the sins of everyone who will bend the knee before him and trust him. When you do that, all your sins are punished in him, and you are clothed with his perfect righteousness. And there will be never any condemnation, never any punishment from God to you because of your sin. All that will be there is just love and joy and his presence and his care forever. That's what the son of David does in being our righteousness. The Lord is our righteousness. No matter how unrighteous you've been, no matter what you did 15 years ago or yesterday, as you bend the knee, put your trust in the Son of David, Jesus, he will become your righteousness. Forgiven, clothed with his perfect righteousness. Now, see, This is why so many in Israel during this period, the the faithful in Israel during this difficult period, were waiting for the Son of David, longing for the Son of David, praying for the Son of David. This Son of David who will be both fully man, born as a baby, and mighty God. How's that going to be? Amazing. May he come. The Son of David who's going to rule the world with perfect justice, perfect righteousness, rule the world. Forever. Who's going to judge all the wicked? All those who are unrighteous, who haven't bent the knee and trusted him, judge all the wicked? He's going to cleanse the earth of sin and all the effects of the curse and of sin. Imagine a world free from sin and the curse. Glory, new heavens, new earth. That's what he's going to do. And he's going to come and make a way for people to be forgiven and counted perfectly righteous before God. Israel was waiting. Israel was longing. So, next question. When will this king be born? You already know, don't you? He's already been born. The son of David has come. Merry Christmas. He's come. Look at what the angel tells Mary when he comes to her in Luke chapter 1, verses 31 to 33. Think of Mary waiting for the son of David, longing for the son of David. Think of her hearing these words. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Jesus is the son of David. My baby is going to be the son of David. This is what Mary's thinking. And we can see that in what Mark describes as Jesus' first Words when he enters into his public ministry. So he's going out in public now, and what are his first words according to Mark's gospel? Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 15. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, first words, the time is fulfilled. Just shivers up and down your spine for a, a faithful. Israelite. The time is fulfilled. The time? The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. What God has promised in the Old Testament, it is being fulfilled now. It's starting to be fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand, will be increasing. Jesus is the king. He's bringing the kingdom. So repent Turn from your old ways. Allow your life to be transformed by this new reality. The son of David is here. The king is here. The kingdom of God is here. Repent and believe. Look also at how Jesus, the son of David, starts to cleanse the world of the effects of sin and the curse. Look at Matthew 12, 22-23. Matthew 12, 22-23. Then a demon-oppressed man who was mute, blind and mute. Now, not all blindness, not all muteness is demonic, but this was, some is, and this was. A demon-oppressed man who was blind and mute was brought to him, Jesus. And he healed him, so that the man spoke and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, Can this be the son of David? They knew what was going on. They knew what God had promised. Is this the son of David? Yes, it is the son of David. He's removing the effects of sin and of Satan. Of course, he he does that progressively between his first coming and he does that finally at his second coming, completely at that point in time. But see, the fact that Jesus has come and we see him calming storms, raising the dead, casting out demons, healing the sick, setting people free from sin. We see that happening. And again, it's, it's progressive. It's not going to happen fully. There's sickness until the, till the second coming. There's death until the second coming. But we've seen it in the Gospels. We've, we can still see it today. He does still work in those ways today. And because we've seen it, we know it's going to happen permanently. And it's going to happen Completely, no more sickness, no more sorrow, no more death. All the remnants of sin and curse removed and there will be the new heavens and the new earth in which righteousness dwells. Look at how Jesus, the son of David, is our righteousness. I I was just struck by this picture, John 19, 18 through 19. There they crucified him. And with him two others, one on either side, and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Now Pilate wrote this as an insult to the Jewish people. Here's your king, crucified. Mockery insults. But what Pilate wrote was true. Jesus is the king of the Jews. And he's all of our king. He's Pilate's king. He's the son of David. And this is how he became righteousness for everyone. That placard at the top of the cross, the king of the Jews, is Perfect in many ways because this is the son of David. This is the promised king. This is him becoming righteousness for us. This is him becoming our righteousness. This is the cross. And that, that placard above shows the love and the mercy and the compassion of God displayed in Jesus. Because what king is willing to be crucified for the treason of of his subjects. What king does that? Our king does. Jesus does. See his love. See his humility. See his compassion. See his mercy. See his grace. This is what our Jesus has done. The king of the Jews becoming righteousness for us. Jesus is the son of David. He has come. He is ruling. He will come again. And He is our righteousness. He can be your righteousness. So, what does this mean for us? It means, friends, we are not alone here on planet Earth. We have a king. Did you know that you have a king? You have a king. Ruling over everything. He's not here now. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. But he is ruling. All authority has been given to him in heaven and on earth. He is in complete control of everything that happens on planet earth. He's in complete control of everything that happens in your life. You are not alone. Things are not random. Jesus Christ is the king of the universe. The rightful king. The one who died was raised and exalted to that position at the right hand of the Father. There's a king. We're not alone. There's a king over all of us, ruling with authority. Does your life reflect the fact that you have a king who's told us what to do and what not to do? You have a king. Is he your king? He is righteousness for all who bend the knee and trust him. Is your knee bent? Are you in subjection to him with joy, with love, with trust? Mm. And he's called us to spread the good news of his reign, of his kingdom throughout the earth. And this also means he will come again. Your king will come again cleansing the world of sin, of sorrow, of death, of sickness, of Satan, casting the wicked into hell and welcoming the forgiven into his presence to be in the joy of knowing his love, his beauty, his majesty, his glory in the new heavens and the new earth forever. Merry Christmas, Grace Church. The Son of David has come. Let's pray. Lord, we are in awe of your plan throughout history, your faithfulness to your promises. Jesus, we bow before you, son of David, born as a baby, fully God, fully man. Lord, I pray for those who are, have not yet bent the knee before you, and trusted you, that you would change their hearts now and give them the joy and the delight and the all-satisfying pleasure of surrender to their rightful king. Grant that now. And Lord, for those who need the hope of the new heavens and the new earth, who are discouraged by this world, Lord, lift their eyes, help them see the Redeemer is coming, the king is coming back, He will fulfill every promise. Pour out your hope, your strength, your peace upon us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.